Welcome to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered nurse, integrative health practitioner, and board-certified life coach, Samantha Shatek, teaches you how to go beyond managing your circumstances and start intentionally creating a life you love using her proven strategies. Well, hey there, friends. How are you today? Oh, say, well... I just got off the boat and I made sure to bring some of my fresh homemade oat scones and they were so delicious. And then when we got home, I made sure that I fed the goat. Don't you know? Heavens to Betsy's. We are talking about Minnesota nice. And is it really kind? If you're my Midwestern listener, you know what this is. If you maybe have been to the Midwest, you might know what this is. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, then I'm going to explain it to you. So Minnesota Nice is a concept that is well known. If you are born and raised and live in Minnesota, it's a way of being that a lot of people here embody. It is difficult to define but I'm going to attempt to use some words to give you an idea of what Minnesota nice is so then I can further explain why I think it's not perhaps kind to be Minnesota nice. Okay, so stick with me. Minnesota nice is the stereotypical behavior of, as I said, people born and raised in Minnesota, and it's a tendency to be courteous, reserved, and mild-mannered. Now, it's not that other folks from all walks of life, can't embody these characteristics. Also, it has to do with the following. There's a polite friendliness when talking about something that you love, but it shouldn't be mistaken for any future obligation. Also, there tends to be an an aversion to any sort of conflict or confrontation. So Minnesota nice makes it hard for people to both have difficult conversations, either to confront or be confronted. And this can include a strong aversion or unwillingness to give or ask for feedback that could cause friction, as well as a pattern of when there is conflict, jumping to more surface agreements rather than actually dealing with the deep root causes or different ideas that people might have. So another quality has to do with there's this inclination to not want to make a fuss or stand out. It tends to Minnesota nice causes people to sort of squirm in general under the spotlight They may still want to be acknowledged, but more in a low-key sort of a way. Another big one is emotional restraint. You'll hear a lot of phrases when a Minnesotan is asked how they're doing. They may say, okay, or not too bad. I don't know if you've heard this joke, but the joke is Oli and Lena had been married seven years. Lena was getting worried that Oli might be getting that seven-year itch, getting a little bit of cold feet, and she thought that he was cheating on her. So Lena says to Oli, you never tell me you love me. Is there someone else? Oli replies, 
When I've got married to you, I told you I loved you then. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. So this is an example of emotional restraint. It's just understated and there's not a lot of emotions or depth that's talked about typically. Another thing that's sort of related to something I already talked about is self-depreciation. If someone is asked to explain how they've contributed or critique their own performance, Minnesotans are more likely to undervalue or belittle themselves. And the ultimate characteristic is passiveness or passive aggressiveness. It basically hides out beneath the surface and it can show up in things like procrastination, sullenness, stubbornness, or confusion. It's perplexing to people who maybe aren't from Minnesota or don't operate this way. The undertones of Minnesota nice, I think, stem from a culture, not just in Minnesota, but but in particular in the Midwest, where there is a culture of, you know, just getting the job done and not diving too deep into the emotional life. The feeling that, you know, in an agricultural family, the work had to be done. You get up, you do the work, and you don't complain, and you don't talk about yourself, you don't talk about your feelings. It comes from this culture I think, a very stoic and really wonderful work ethic. And there's definitely benefits to that. But there is, in this Minnesota nice, there tends to be sort of um, some of the following qualities too. I'm not saying that all of these qualities are just Minnesotan, but we're particularly talking about Minnesota nice right now. So some of these qualities are perfectionism and this usually comes from some kind of self-esteem issue in general. Uh, People-pleasing. I already mentioned not wanting to be confrontational. I think a big characteristic is really worried about what other people think and not having good boundaries. Also, not being clear about what your own needs or desires even are and or not being able to express those. Also, I think there's a underlying quality that especially women, but people in general, tend to feel selfish if you take care of yourself or voice your needs. So there is a paradigm that people look through that if you do speak up or take care of yourself, that it's selfish. I just want to be clear, too, that when I'm talking about Minnesota nice and people being nice, it's definitely okay to please others if it really truly is authentic and gives you joy to do that, but not to the detriment of your own preferences, needs, sanity, or happiness. And that's what we're talking about here. The reason I don't think Minnesota nice is that kind is because I think more often than not, although it's maybe not intended to be this way, it's very inauthentic and it's not truthful. I'm going to give an example. So let's say you're invited to a baby shower or a barbecue or some event that you don't really want to go to, but for whatever reason, because your spouse wants you to go or because your friend really wants you to go, you go to. But you have a million other things you want to do. You, you just don't want to go. And instead of honoring that need, put your friend first or your spouse first, and the whole time in the back of your head, it could be very loudly or it could be just in the background, there's a part of you that really doesn't want to be there. That is your truth. And if you end up showing up 
it's not that you can't show up and make the best of it, but there is going to be that part of you that I think people can feel that is not authentically wanting to be totally present there. And I think people can sometimes sense that. And I think it changes everyone's experience and your experience of that thing versus being more authentic and just deciding that you aren't going to go. Now, the hardest part about saying no to things and having boundaries is the repercussions and the reactions that other people will have to you starting to listen to yourself. People don't know that version of you and they will maybe be uncomfortable or take issue with it. And I think that's where um, it just perpetuates that cycle. So to me, it's not kind to go to a function and not necessarily wholeheartedly want to be there. Also, I can relate this to, for example, when I'm coaching with people, I think this is what sets coaching apart from other conversations in life that we have. Because for me, kindness does not equal going along with what my client says necessarily. It's definitely about compassion and love and presence, but it's about holding a mirror up to that person and sometimes having challenging questions or confronting someone with a belief that is holding them back and and showing them that that belief is just that. When I challenge a client, I do it with love and empathy, but I do it because that's the kind thing to do because that's the thing that may change their whole life. And it's not that we don't have good friends that just support us and love us, but sometimes their good friends aren't going to tell us the truth. And to me, telling the truth when done with love and empathy is kind. That is the kindest way to be, in my opinion. And I've often said that I feel like a East Coaster or New Yorker in Minnesota. I was born here and I love it here. But there's so many times where I just don't understand this culture of suppressing our needs and desires and expressions to please other people. I just wanted to talk about this today because it drives me crazy to talk about surface things sometimes. And the Minnesota nice thing, I mean, there'll be someone at a party and everybody will be so sweet to them. And a lot of times, unfortunately, not in every case, I think there's people on all parts of the spectrum. People will leave a party or leave a gathering and then people will talk about them, but they were nice to their face. And and my suggestion is, can we just get clear with ourselves and start really stepping into our own power and authority when it comes to what we actually want to do and what we don't want to do? And are we brave enough to withstand the repercussions and the reactions that people might have when we stand in our truth? Most of all, I feel it's really unkind to ourselves when we're not authentic, clear, and honest. I can't tell you how many times I have sat with someone on their deathbed or coached a client or even just talking to a friend or a family member who wishes that they would have done what they wanted to do earlier in life. They feel that they lived some part of their life almost extremely or exclusively for someone else and are left feeling often like a shell of a person. I want to be super clear here. 
that there are plenty of wonderful, amazing people in this world who are gentle, quiet souls. They're authentic, and maybe they're just more comfortable not speaking up. And that's okay. That's their journey. Everyone is having their own process. And I'm not saying that everybody has to be in your face and loud and abrasive. That's also not what I'm saying. I am saying that it is worth it and it is the kind thing to do to actually spend time with yourself doing the internal work, getting clear on who you are and what you want and what you need and whenever possible to stand in that truth. I also think it's more honorable to say what you need to say to the person or to do the work in your journal or with a therapist and not talk about someone when they're not there. I know even those of us with the best intentions, there will be exceptions to that rule And when it's out of love or you're curious about someone, sure, ask questions. You know, I heard something once and I love this rule and I'm going to be honest, I have to work on this myself. But the rule is that you don't talk about someone if they're not in the room. There's a great quote that I love by Eleanor Roosevelt and it says, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. One of the reasons that this can be hard in our culture is that we tend to connect through talking about other people and through connecting through sometimes our pain or complaining because we often aren't shown other ways to connect. And connecting by talking about ideas is potentially more vulnerable. And I think there's this resistance to wanting to seem vulnerable in our society, especially if we haven't done the work. And in saying all of this, I do understand that there's times where you don't want to go deep or maybe you don't feel safe with someone or in your situation or that it's a time that you want to conserve your energy and you're okay with maybe keeping what is true for you private or sacred. And I get that there is that other end of the spectrum that may be true. I just see so many people who are so deeply resentful because they've stifled their truth and done something for someone else repeatedly so much that they don't have a sense of who they are or what they want. And even if they do, they're not honoring that. So my question is, where are you maybe not honoring yourself in ways that are really important? not only to you and your integrity and your self-worth and your sense of well-being, but also actually important for modeling to people around you, your kids and your partner and your friends. Because when you're an example of what is possible in the world, you elevate everybody else around you. Are there going to be times where you choose to Put someone else first, even though you have competing needs? Absolutely. I still think being kind is super important and that we don't have to always be confrontational. The truth that is deep down in your soul and in your bones, when spoken and expressed with true empathy and kindness, is the ultimate kindness. It's kind to yourself. 
it's kind to others because it's authentic and it's true. I read a book this year and it was written by a palliative care nurse named Bronnie War and she's Australian and she spent a lot of time with people who were dying and the book is called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying and you want to know what the number one regret was? It's this. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Guess what the number three regret was? It's that I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. So many people would suppress their feelings in order to keep peace with the others. And as a result, ended up settling for a mediocre existence and never really became who they were capable of becoming. And many illnesses ended up developing because of the bitterness and resentment that they carried. And finally, the fifth regret is that people said, I wish that I had let myself be happier. And I guess this is a really common one where people don't really realize until the end of their life that happiness is actually a choice. They stay stuck in old patterns and habits and fear of change has them pretending to other people and to themselves that they were content, but deep down they longed to do something else or to laugh or just feel happy. It's alarming to me that three out of the five regrets have something to do with the topics that we're talking about today, which is just to be more honest with what your needs and desires are and to maybe even just laugh more and be able to express your feelings and just having the courage to live a life that's more true to yourself, not the life that your parents or friends or other people expect you to live. Here's the good news. If you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) it means you're still alive. And if you're still alive, it means there's time to change, there's time to be different, and there's time to take toll about where you're at in your life with these subjects. How can you start caring less about what other people think and more about what you think? How can you start saying no with empathy, love, and compassion if it's in service to you? Are you willing to disappoint others in order to be true to yourself? Can you start awakening to the fact, if you haven't already, that taking care of yourself your needs, your desires is actually not selfish. It's an act of love and you fill yourself up first so you can pour and serve and give from a full cup to others. Look, I love my Minnesota people. I love you. And I love how kind we are. And when that kindness is authentic and it feels in alignment, that is amazing. But when the kindness comes from a place that's not authentic, that it's just there to please other people, and it's out of alignment from who you really are, what you really want to do, or who you want to be, that's when it becomes unkind. Keep being kind, keep being authentic, and please keep being more of you. Have a beautiful week, everybody, and I'll talk to you soon.
And hey, I also want to invite you to join me for my six-month coaching program. I'll work with just you one-on-one, and I'm going to help you get the results that I know you can get. I promise your life will be different. Go to www.rebelheartcoaching.com to sign up for a consult today. I'll see you inside. Go, go, go.